Hello everyone, this is Joel Dombrower, Communications Manager at Project A, and today we have a very special edition of our podcast. This week we hosted the second edition of the BAD Meetup, and to give you more insight, I have the pleasure of having with me Selim Novitsky, our Senior Business Intelligence Manager at Project A and co-organizer of the BAD Meetup. So Selim, the mic is yours, don't drop it. Thanks Joel. Um, first of all, why is it called the BAD Meetup? It stands for business and data. And we try to address real business challenges that can be solved by using data and automation. The meetup touches upon various elements of the business, marketing, sales, product, customer care, you name it. So stay tuned because it's highly likely that we will address a topic that you are interested in. Every meetup, we try to focus on one specific challenge that startups face and go into it a bit more in depth. We get two top-notch speakers from the field, and they take part in the panel, this, this time led by me. The topic of this meetup is building data-driven organizations, and we have the pleasure to host Adolfo Grau, the head of business intelligence from Raisin, and Mathieu Bastian, the director of data science and machine learning at Get Your Guide. Project A. Podcast. I would like to start with you, Adolfo. I mean, you talked about uh, you know the entire journey that your company went through. That you were there, one of the first two of the first two people. How did your role change? Yeah. Right. So, what was kind of your element of the story? I started as a working student um, for the COO, um, and he's like an, an Excel wizard. He can do all kinds of stuff there. And that's that's the guy who built the first data model in Excel. Um, and I was both learning a bit more tech stuff. I didn't realize that Wirtschaftsinformatik doesn't necessarily translate to informatic. It was more like very consultancy, um, high-level informatic. So I realized I needed to start learning stuff on the job there. Um, I learned as much as I could about SQL and Python. And we kind of slowly built up the, the ETL pipeline with Pentel data integration. So actually the same as the guys. Very boring today. Um, we use the same tech stack more or less, except all the other fancier stuff that you guys use that we we I don't yet. think we'll, 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 yet I don't think we're ever going <laughs> to um, but we basically started off with the ETL solution we started off with Looker we had a great consulting company that helped us on the way as well Leroy um, and they no advertising intended no I mean I, I think Kidding. everyone here knows them or has heard True. of them and um, so they helped us along the way, did some, some, some scripting, they helped us with our snowplow setup. And from there, we kind of built up the team as well. I was still doing kind of the Pentaho engineering stuff, quasi-engineering. And eventually, the team was growing, company was growing, Looker was getting more and more used. I was also a financial analyst in the previous life. Um, so. I was also doing analyst stuff, and we were just kind of combining. Um, my colleague was a, is a statistician or financial statistician by by trade, and so we kind of just like traded roles a lot of the time. So I usually knew about all of the data, and he knew um, like he talked to the stakeholders and like guarded me from that because I only had twenty hours a week to do stuff. And eventually, I became full time. And once it was clear that we were both kind of having the same role, and it wasn't going to work out if I was full-time and he was doing stakeholder stuff and having to ask me questions. He, um, he naturally said, I'd rather do something producty, and he was also kind of bored of building dashboards. And I moved into head of BI, and I was okay with building dashboards. 
<laughs> for a while. <laughs> Don't you miss the analytical part of it? Um, or do you still do it? I still do it, yeah. So you're not willing to give it up to the people? Oh, I am. I, I try to give up everything I can. Like, like whenever I, I have something that I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Here, you take it. Um, but a lot of the time, some stuff comes to my desk. If it's so, uh, fundraising means that you need some a bit more context to to who you're going <coughs> to give the data to. So the CFO comes to me, and we do like the data exploration ourselves, and we we prepare like the, the data room. So if you've ever been in a financial analyst, you know what that is. It's just a SFTP with a whole bunch of fi files that investors can click on and they can see the data. And they want it in Excel. That's it. Always. Always yes. Excel. Always Excel. I don't think they'll ever change, to be um, honest. So I usually take over those kind of analytical parts and um, answer like the questions from investors um, that come to the CFO. Mm -hmm. And my team does everything else. Yeah. So they do the data engineering part now. I'm not involved. I'm involved in what we want to work on, how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And with the data analysis, I'm involved in the stakeholder meetings um, to help out, to support, but not to do any of the analyses anymore. Mattia, you when you came to uh, to get your guide, you also had like a huge backpack of experience from LinkedIn, right? That's my assumption. Yeah. Um, what did you learn, you know, when coming to a let's say more lean startup-ish environment that is in hyper growth? It was quite fascinating for me because when I joined <clears throat> LinkedIn, there were already 300 engineers. And when I left, like two, 3,000. So really kind of a, a different stage. Get Your Guide uh, in 2016 was about 30 engineers. So I'm actually really interested to see that stage uh, before. And who knows, maybe I'll go to three <laughs> uh, next, uh, even earlier stage. So the, you know, there was a lot of the foundations to, to, to set, and that, uh, that was a really a, a great uh, learning journey for me. And I came um, more with this, the idea of building uh, you know, data science application, data products, and to, to build up the infrastructure. Um, you know, kind of learned that this, this pyramid, this hierarchy of need is true, right? So when I had the ambition to, to do data science uh, models, but I, I hit a wall with uh, this, uh, you know, legacy data warehouse. I knew that, yeah, well, I'll probably spend at least a year building that foundation, uh, and that was that was fun. Um, we also didn't stop doing uh, data science uh, application, you know, for for that reason. But this was uh, kind of like making my role a little bit larger. And then the second learning is that while we were focusing on that, actually, the whole need for analytics for insights kind of developed and it was it was so apparent that this was the number one thing we should uh, we should you know develop in the company and that you know infrastructure is important but at the end you know bi engineers data engineers are not going to be the one who's going to tell you how uh, you know your strategy how you're doing uh, against your strategy and and have those insights because i mean get your guide is a is a, is a company that works in a market that is changing so we also need to experiment a lot. We always had an experimentation culture, you know, doing A-B tests even very early on, like or even to, 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 to a degree that was, you know, changing the copy of a text, right? So this didn't work out really well because there was not enough volume, but we, we had that experimentation culture early on. So there was already a, a lot of need for operational insights, which you kind of get somehow. Um, but the, yeah, essentially for the next two years, realized we needed to really uh, create a, a vision for analytics, onboard data analysts, 
and uh, so you know my role shifted to more of a head of data or, or you know maybe you call it CDO now uh, where I kind of was doing analytics uh, the data science data product and also the uh, what we call data platform mm -hmm. so somehow uh, stumbled upon um, that uh, and you know I get you guys we, we love uh, filling gaps and you know in a startup uh, that's that's totally normal and I, I always had this uh, this expectation that mm -hmm. there will be uh, you know flexibility into what I will be doing and I definitely was uh, satisfied in that end yeah and um, I mean you mentioned you know building up this this data platform this infrastructure they're always very long projects how do you you know how do you get buy-in how do you convince people that that they actually invest this time and money I mean startups live from year to year usually right so um, yeah um, actually I got one the feedback that I should do less bing bang releases uh, and that that we basically you know should find a way to do migrations and phasing out legacy stuff in a more uh, agile way. Haven't really found the, the perfect solution. Um, we 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 sell the um, you know those projects in a very lean way. You know, we're not very bureaucratic, so I think there's quite a good degree of freedom. And uh, I think my personal view, um, I can't really speak for myself, but I do try to hire leaders that are expert at what they do, and they should tell me how you know how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So, if they really you know can make uh, that argument, I, I'm not here to to stop them, and I will you know kind of maybe. But you're one person, right? But how about the management that they say, okay, now we're going to be replatforming. We're going to you know invest six months into making sure that we get the next. The more advanced infrastructure that will increase our abilities in 12 months. How do you sell that? Well, Maybe. six months is actually pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> usually I sell six months and it comes, you know, a year and a half later, right? So, okay. but that they don't know at the beginning. So it's okay. <laughs> so you, you lie. That's that's the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't know myself. You know, we, uh, you know, the last, uh, so we did a, a complete overhaul of our events pipeline. I talked about that a little bit in the talk, but. Um, you know, from a, lots of different uh, you know loggers. Now we have a unified uh, you know pipeline with with good schemas, and um, everybody kind of uh, send data to that. That took uh, longer than expected, right? Mm -hmm. And that's um, you know it's not something I could anticipate. Yeah. Nevertheless, um, you know I don't feel we were blocking. If anything, really the the data platform team did an enormous amount of work, uh, and they they really you know, we're able to juggle both the, uh, you know, investor requests and things like that, that are always super urgent, and those infrastructure projects. The main reason that the project has took long was because we just didn't have uh, enough people. Yeah. So at the end, hiring is always a, a bottleneck for those kind of uh, uh, larger projects, but also the team setup, because if you free them from the ad hoc request, they can actually focus on the infrastructure projects. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were trying, uh, trying to do. And... Uh, by, um, by like yeah. this democratizing of the data in yeah, the, the exactly. meantime. Okay. So that saves us actually a lot of a uh, lot of time and man share to 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 focus on those uh, long term. But it seems like you had the buy-in already from up top. That's useful usually. Yeah. What was your case? Isn't that? I mean, you're just mentioning that and it keeps coming up that we both kind of have that like already data-driven culture in the company. Um, less test-driven for us. Um, a lot to do with the amount of data we have. So um, low volumes of data means that you can test a lot less. Um, but it's a bit like, like, why is a startup successful? And everyone's like, oh, well, luck is a huge factor. 
Um, how much of a data-driven organization is part of the management team, the core kind of like people that started up? And if they're not data-driven, like you need to sell it to them all the time and you're spending so much energy and resources just convincing them that this is important. Maybe we're just like in a luxury situation. We're just the lucky part of the startups, you know? Probably. I, I, yeah. From my experience, like not ever, that's not always the case. Let's, yeah. let's say it like that. But maybe you would have a recommendation, like how would you approach a problem that you don't have that buy-in? It's not as easy. Yeah, I think you need to have like really good value propositions that you deliver. So if you're focusing on infrastructure and, and everything, it's always about like uh, the new pipeline that you need to build, then people are going to get impatient. What, is, what are you using it for? Mm -hmm. um, if you already delivered a lot of value and you're still delivering value and, it's not, and your infrastructure projects aren't blocking you from delivering that value, um, which needs to be quantifiable, it needs to be revenue, it needs to be less cost, and you need to be able to show that. I think people aren't going to question you very much, mm -hmm. and that's and that frees you, like like you said, like it's going to free you to do, make these projects, in, internal projects, or focus internally on your team, and make sure that you can get the next release out much faster because you've improved everything you needed to improve. So a good founder would kind of buy into this value proposition. I think that's that's reasonable to think. And um, I was wondering because you already mentioned yourself that maybe you're going to go into even a smaller team at some point. Mm -hmm. Um. How many of you over here are in companies that are below 50 people? Quite plenty. Um, what would be your recommendation? How, how to start, how, who to hire first, and how would you go around this topic? When would you hire? I mean, I haven't, I haven't lived it, right? So um, I kind of came around that, that, that point. Um, I, I wouldn't hire a data scientist first. I think that's uh, that's clear. They will be they will be pretty frustrated um, pretty quickly. Um, so I think the, the the thing the first uh, the first thing to to get right is giving visibility to to the data. So I think I would probably start with uh, with some kind of BI engineering uh, to 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 expose and build in like an executive uh, dashboard. Right. That's mm -hmm. kind of the um, not having that um, you know, probably you know, slows you down in decision making, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, what you need to get to that probably not that much, but someone has to to at least build some uh, infrastructure and and create uh, integrated data. So I would start there, and then um, I think your model works really well. You need to do uh, investor uh, you know, pitches. And uh, someone with a financial uh, analytics background, you know, has uh, the ability to do that very well. Plus, they can also do a lot of other things like ad hoc requests and look into other types of data. When when that becomes not sufficient anymore, um, you can look into people that have more of, a, of an analytics background, like web analytics uh, or customer care uh, analytics and these kind of things, um, in order to complement your team. One thing to get right though is the ratio. Of engineer versus analyst. Um, if if you if your data analysts are, are building ETLs most of the time, they're also going to be frustrated, and their ETLs are not going to be very good. So we actually have ten data engineers right now, and and five six analysts, cool. which is partly because we you know we could we couldn't hire uh, analysts as fast as data engineers, but I wouldn't you know have two data engineers for five six analysts. I think there's there needs to be enough support. So the analysts uh, do um, focus on what they add the most value, uh, which is looking into the data and, and, and get, getting insights. So I think these balances are uh, sometimes hard to achieve, 
because you you know hiring is something somewhat random yeah. sometimes um, but having at least some objective there uh, in terms of support so, so for you that's kind of ratio be rather two to one in terms of engineers to analysts so or? early days you need to over invest I think in, in, in engineering and that's what we did um, but at some point you, you know you reach like a team of 10 people that we have right now we're not gonna double that team so you know it kind of plateaus uh, and that's uh, and then uh, you know that's when the analysts basically take off, mm-hmm. and you have built enough infrastructure. I mean, you kind of also told us that a lot of things were coming to an end, so that's maybe when you uh, want to onboard a lot more uh, you know data experts, and you can support a lot more with uh, like a team of uh, of five people. Mm-hmm. Right? But without the without the infrastructure first, then you know you will kind of not get this formula uh, mm-hmm. right. Adolfo, do you agree with that strategy? Um, I think it depends a lot. Um, so I think the ratio for me is the other way around. And it's, it's, I think it's completely dependent on your context. So I, I get the feeling, and I, w- I think I went to the Looker uh, meetup that, that you guys hosted. Um, you guys have a lot more data than we do. So like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fact about that, is that we don't have as much need in, in data engineering. Mm. Our pipelines work, and they don't have problems with data. We can reprocess all of our data and it will last i don't know like two hours three hours pipeline so we don't have that problem we need, to, we need to build like really really complicated pipelines to just process this data so actually our problem is more answering the questions and we have a lot of questions and our management has a lot of questions and and products are popping up everywhere so we need we have more data it still isn't a problem <laughs> we just have questions left and right so actually we we have to cover more of this um insights faster than we do the, the engineering part, but I completely see your point where mm. if you have a more complicated data landscape or or if you have a larger data landscape, then you're going to need more engineers to deal with it. It's just a fact, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I, I, that definitely depends on the company, right? depends on the case. Yeah. To be business probably doesn't need much engineers. I didn't want to use that word because everyone always says it depends. It depends. <laughs> um, Mattia, you you had this nice graphic I really liked in your presentation, the triangle. Mm-hmm. It was uh, time, uh, time, scope, and cost, and quality inside. Yeah. And I have the feeling that you were trying to tell us, in the shorter term, you have to choose two out of three. Um, what, what choice would you make? Um, very obvious time. Uh, so, I mean, um. One thing you have as a as a startup uh, is is creativity and 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 and, and grit, but you don't have time, right? So if you can cut corners, it's to save time. And I think that's you know usually you know, we we almost never think about uh, cost or cost saving at our stage, right? Mm-hmm. A company like LinkedIn, yes, you know the cost of infrastructure and so on, yes, interesting. Um, but also in the early days, it's all about growth, and um, you know, time is really the the precious uh, resources that you don't have. And scope, I think this um, this kind of works a little bit uh, together with time. Not not a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Quite a Silicon Valley approach there, right? Because like, ah, oh, just throw money at the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we Some we are fortunate to be to be well funded, so we we do have uh, that freedom, and uh, but at the end the pressure is still enormous, um, and and time is there's just not enough time to do to do everything. Um, yeah. 
if you talk to some of the freelancers I think in Berlin, they'll probably completely disagree with both of us. For me, it's also the same situation. Yeah. They'll probably say like, they the founders don't want to spend money on on BI. You need to you need to get this done with zero budget, <laughs> and uh, and then go from there. And I know a lot of people that have to have the situation where there's no budget for a BI team. So you have a product owner that's building ETLs with his JavaScript because that's all he knows, and and he still gets it done, but so cost is zero there, and so luxury situation again, I guess. Yeah. Um, you you pick like the two kind of like. That's the point. <laughs> like I even want to ask you, okay, thing. how do you convince you know that you can invest into Looker, which is a very expensive tool, and yeah. like. It's just do no no brainer. It was it was it was seriously a no, no brainer. It was just like oh well, we need to get everyone data, and that was that was in like 2015 that we hired Looker, and we basically started operations in January 2014. So it's not like it was like oh let's let's cut cost here or this is too expensive. Maybe not. It was just like yeah, we need to give everyone data. This is important. We have to spend money on this. This is not a Looker, you know, branded event. Again. We don't get any referral bonus. We, I have no idea. Or can you organize our, us like referral bonuses because sure. these guys Snow are piles. <laughs> <laughs> throw around some names. Sure. Um, before I open up to the round, I just want to kind of have your both of your opinions uh, on the topic that, I mean, the the landscape of data analysis and data in general is changing so fast. And where do you think it's heading in more like a scope of three to five years? Also, what can you do like as your company to prepare for that? And what will you be doing? Any ideas? I mean, I guess my hope is that we start to be a bit more um, scientific in our approach and use a bit more from scientific methodologies. So instead of trying to prove us right, we should try to have a hypothesis and prove it wrong. And if you can't, then this is the right way to go. Like. Mm -hmm. and um, start thinking about a lot of the biases we have when we look at data. So a lot of the time we focus on um, finding the numbers, getting the KPI, maximizing that. And we start to forget about, like, um, am I maybe making a mistake here? Am I second-guessing myself? And maybe the other one is, um, maybe it's not to do with data analysis, but just generally in companies is thinking about social impact and, and if your company is actually providing value to society and not just just taking away and focusing on profits our kpis are all revenue driven i'm sure or at least the bottom line driven and maybe that's not the only kpi we have or should have should have yeah. what's your um for the lack of a better idea talk about uh, infrastructure and, and tools the yeah i think th there's no perfect bi tool right so Definitely, Looker is not perfect. Um, you know, I actually use Looker very little. Uh, prefer to go directly to Databricks as I prefer to write code. Um, so, I think there's still a need for uh, for better um, better tools, smarter tools. I mean, Looker was um, was acquired by uh, by Google and Tableau by Salesforce. So, I think there is some change uh, that may be coming in a way that. Um, you know the cloud providers, you know, kind of entering that space and providing um, you know, more end-to-end -end solutions um, because there's still kind of a, um, a huge uh, palette of tools that one can can pick. And compared to some other you know, industry, I think there's still a lot of uh, 
a lot of progress this tool can make to um, to support a data-driven organization. You know, like a problem like the data dictionary, the, the data literacy, the data discovery, and the data governance. None of that is something that Looker can help you with. Um, they don't have that module, and very few have uh, pushed to to that. Uh, when there is like, uh, you know, what are the solutions for uh, removing data clutter on Looker? Well, they they are we going to give you two uh, two uh, you know kind of consult Looker consultant to help you? Like, okay, uh, you know, these guys are going to go into our, our data model and say we should keep that and we should remove that. That's going to be a very bureaucratic uh, thing that I'm not super excited about. So I think there's there's a lot of intelligence we uh, we can start to build. Maybe using uh, AI and machine learning, I don't know, uh, of what, uh, you know, how to, to simplify the, um, the huge amount of data that, uh, that people can look at uh, in companies. And so that's, I think, is still, uh, still on, on my radar. Um, and I think there, there have been a consolidation a lot in the kind of cloud or infrastructure space, so you can get up to speed very quickly with the data warehouse, you don't have to install, you know, the, that thing uh, anymore yourself. So I think that's kind of was the first step that in the last five years. But I think in, in the next five years, I hope we can uh, um, have those folks develop a better, uh, you know, integrated BI solution. Mm -hmm. Um, Ori, could you throw us the throw box? Let's open up the round because I know there's probably quite some questions still in the audience, and they probably are better than, than 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 my. This is a microphone, so, uh, so yes, if you speak to it, uh, it's going to record. Any questions, guys? Um, I have a question for for Mathieu. You said earlier that uh, you have you work more with product with the product people. Can you give more information about that working relationship with product managers and like, do you provide, take initiative to provide insights or do they come to you with specific requests and how does that working relationship actually work? Mm -hmm. So there are kind of like two, two different uh, scenarios. The first one is on the analytics side. So um, that's where the data analyst, you know, would sit with the, with the product manager. And what I usually like to say is that the analyst should marry the problem. That they're working with. So being very close from the product manager means that they understand the context and they're able to understand the business problem that uh, you know that team is trying to solve. So we do uh, work with cross-functional teams and um, the, the best case scenario is that the data analyst literally sits with that team um, and, and together participate also in how to solve the problem. Of course they will have more input into how to measure success uh, these are kind of like the areas where the data analysts usually come in. How to analyze the result of an experiment and, and things like that. Um, but also generally, you know, metrics and KPIs. Something I didn't talk a lot about in my talk, but it's it's a huge, um, it's one of those things that are very hard to achieve. Have really good KPIs, good uh, measures, and that's where I think the the conversation really um, are happening. The second scenario is more on the data product side where my team would work uh, you know, with the product manager and the engineers um, to understand how can uh, you know, intelligence, machine learning, AI add value to what we are doing. And that happens usually uh, you know, upstream. And once we've identified what we want to do, um, you know, they kind of develop um, their you know, roadmap together. So we like to have end-to-end -end ownership, 
so you know there's there's as little um, separation of um, concerns uh, and, and tasks between the various um, data people so um, that reduce that reduce the communication overhead problem where the more people in the organization the more um, um, kind of you kind of specialize the task and then, and then everybody needs to kind of coordinate with everybody else. Would you say that that data products are also kind of the step forward in terms of becoming even more data driven than you are today? I mean, in a way, uh, yes, because data products tend to be very um, excited about adding new sources of data. Data would be an opportunity. So, um, you know, if a yeah, classic example, you don't know what users want. You do a Tinder type game where they have to swipe right and left. And, you know, that's kind of a, a cool game. Maybe that's part of your product. Wow, that's a gold mine of data for, for a data product person, right? And this can be, you know, one of the, one of the trigger um, that allows the company to, uh, to move forward in, in also better understanding their, their users. So they, they like to, to really get in into these feedback loops where more data collected um, you know, drives more customer value and that's kind of like a, a virtuous circle. Hard to do everywhere, but this is one of the things we aspire to, to build. I would like to highlight a few learnings I took away from the meetup. It is never too early to establish a data culture. It only becomes more difficult with time. Aim for being data informed first. Data drivenness will follow. The alternative cost of investing into data access is delay of decision making, which is so crucial to stay agile. Investments into training the company will result in offloading the data team. And as, as a result, they will have more time and motivation to focus on more complex things. The next bad meetup is on the 3rd of September, so stay tuned for further information. I hope you like the podcast and don't forget to subscribe. Peace.